Hi everyone and welcome back to MHR Radio. Um, this is episode 19 and with me... Um, this has to be episode 20. 19. <laughs> this is the Eddie Royal episode. Hi Kyle, welcome back. I think this is episode 20, MHR Radio Podcast. <laughs> what is up Broncos family? How are we all doing tonight? I'm actually objecting to the fact that I'm on an Eddie Royal episode. Oh, hi Katie. We can call it the Mike Adams episode. I've been out since October with a, an ingrown toenail. That's the episode I'm on. <laughs> the voice you're hearing is uh, Katie Levisay. Did I, I didn't say that right, did I? She's a clinical neuropsychologist, formerly of a team in San Diego, of which the Broncos are facing today, tonight. And we're going to talk about Eddie Royal's toe injury with his... <laughs> Clinical neuropsychologist. <laughs> How, yeah. Good Drew's locker room story. Were you guys aware that? Sorry, um, it's in the outline. <laughs> were you guys aware of, of uh, Matt Prater kicking a 64-yard field goal on Sunday? Who's Matt Prater? He's the kicker oh. for the Broncos. Okay. <laughs> so Broncos I think that of, football is still flying. I think it's going like hundreds and hundreds of yards still. It's still in the air. Go Prater. I kind of like, yeah, how they're like, hey, guys, um, here in Denver, and anyone can kick a 64-yard field goal. The local Denver guy, Drew Soysha on, on NBC, is like, shows a clip of uh, the CU kicker like 10 years ago hitting a 75-yarder. Mason Crosby? No, maybe it was. You probably would. You're the expert. He's okay for himself. <laughs> it was 15 degrees. Right, he kicked that- an ice cube. He kicked an ice cube 64 yards. Way to go, Matt Prater. It was like he a was proud. It was like a medicine ball that he just kicked for 64 yards. <laughs> he broke his toe. Gave it to Eddie Royal. That's why he's active this week. So, okay, so think back, if you guys will, to the first half of the game. Um, halftime rolls around. How, how nervous are you? Not nervous at all. You are nervous because you've been a Denver Broncos fan for a long time. Ryan Fitzpatrick's neckbeard. That's like what did bad, Like, bad thing's going to beat us. <laughs> no, I mean, they weren't sustaining long drives. That one, Their drive was a 95-yard kickoff re- return, right? Right. They had to punch it in from five yards. Meanwhile, we're scoring at will. What did we score, like, 17 times on that one drive alone that we ended up with a field goal? <laughs> right? That's a mean, really good point. Like, and, then, and then the field goal at the end, the momentum? Yeah. Give me a break. No, not worried at all. When the field goal happened, I wasn't worried anymore at all. I knew all the momentum was in our favor. The Broncos like to operate that way. They like to sandwich their half times with points, kick that field goal, get the opening kickoff on the second half, drive down, score another touchdown, game over. When the Broncos do that, they eliminate everyone. That's right. They deferred the kickoff, so we knew. I I realize whether I'm like 10 years old, 15 years old, or 30 years old, when a Denver Bronco goes for a record-breaking kick, I have the same exact stance or (laughs) – and reaction. Like, I crouch down, and I lean towards the TV, and I tell everybody in the room to shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God! I knew he was going to make it. I knew it. You could tell. I did not. I knew it was cold, I, and I knew that it would be really hard to kick that long of a field goal, and I didn't know what the wind was like. I knew it was a pretty calm day. I, I was not confident he was going to make a 64-yard field goal. I was thrilled he did. I get stoked anytime anyone goes for the longest kickoff or the longest field goal in NFL history. Teams should do it more often. They was going to halftime with like the 68-yard field goal attempt. If they were to kick it, it would be that long. Like, do it. And, exactly. never do it. and why wouldn't you in like Denver? It. Even if it is like yeah. minus 10 degrees, why wouldn't you do it in Denver? 
Exactly. You know who got their um, domination back was Von Miller. Von Miller had a forced fumble, an interception, a sack, and I don't think that he stepped in front of anybody on a kickoff return with the back of his foot. So he had a, <laughs> he had a good day. <laughs> he had an interception too? No, not no, that interception. He had a, oh, sorry, he had a not an interception. He, he forced the interception. Yep. Terrence Knighton, by the way, All-State uh, Connecticut receiver in high school. Tight end. I looked that up. You tweeted that, and I had to look it up. He was a tight end. But, yeah, he was All-State. Cool. I wonder if he weighed 325 pounds in high school. Pot roast? Yeah, pot roast. Hey, so the props. Yeah. Props to me. For knowing the uh, Did you ask us who pot roast was? Did, no. <laughs> I don't think she does. I don't even know your last guess. I'm just did, did Jan... Jan's actually dead this time. Jan really did die. Jan is really no, dead. No, it was only a matter of time for Vaughn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, did you guys know this stat? You didn't because you guys don't know anything about stats. So, despite missing the first six games of this season, he's still on court. He's like the he's produced in his first three seasons. Again, despite missing the first six games, six games. the tenth most tackles of anybody in their first three years. He's a beast despite his poor wardrobe choices. <laughs> You're not a fan of the uh, big frames? Is that what it is? No, I love the glasses. No. Okay. No, I've seen him in like cargo shorts and weird cartoon tank tops in the middle of winter at Nuggets games. But that's an aside. Maybe he should just figure, like whoever dresses him. He doesn't should... wear Uggs, Kyle. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, at least he doesn't wear Uggs. <laughs> whoever, whoever... It, would only, it would only improve his outfit choice, which tells you how outfit choice was. Man, I'm going to get fired one of these days when one yeah. of my bosses you, listens to this podcast. But you really are. Screw you, Tom Brady. <laughs> so if Von Miller could get the person, whoever picker, whoever his stylist is, if he could get that same person to drive him, I think we might have a full season. Out of yes, him. Ian, good point. And that's another question. Why does not every player in the entire league have a driver? Why wouldn't you have a driver? Because most players get paid, and then they spend their paycheck, and then they have an entire offseason where they're absolutely dead broke, I, I would assume. So you can't afford a driver. You can't afford anything until the season starts. You get your, like... That's when all the nightclub fracases happen. So they right. still have some money, right? Well, I don't have money to, like... Make and stuff. Right. They're probably being paid to go to those clubs, though, I assume. I don't know. Kind of like me. That's what happens when you're a nurse psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid to show up at clubs, just like uh, Kim Kardashian. So Peyton Manning had a record amount of um, attempts. He had 39 completions on, what was it, 59? Yeah, 59 attempts. Of those, 14 completions, uh, he had 14 completions on 22 passes of 10 yards or more, which are 10 yards downfield. Uh, and of those, four of eight were on targets of 20-plus yards. So he so threw he the threw, Wow, he threw the ball twenty plus yards eight times. Yeah, is what you're saying. In in negative nine or whatever it was, wind chill. And this was against a pretty good pass defense coming into this game. The Titans were they were top we five, covered, right? Yeah, we covered that coming into the game. We talked about how the the Titans actually have a decent pass defense. It might be difficult for the Broncos to throw for a lot of yards. Yeah, we'll just put up fifty one points anyway. No, no biggie. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get into Peyton Manning's total. Uh, records pretty soon. Actually, can we? By the time we start doing that, he'll he'll have broken another one by the time we get into that. <laughs> what, does he, <laughs> what does he need to buy, uh, Mr. Bunchen? Five? 
He needs okay. five more, t- five touchdowns to tie him. Um, right now, he's tried, tied with 2011 Aaron Rodgers at 45, and then he needs one more to tie Drew Brees at 46, and then Tom Brady's 50. You got three games to throw six touchdowns, hopefully. So two touchdowns over the next three games ought to do it for Mr. Manning. What happens here? What happens if he breaks it this week? Let's say he doesn't break it this week. Let's say he gets three this week. He plays. He throws two next week or one, and then it's week seventeen, and there's absolutely no reason to play Peyton Manning. I, I stopped well, listening. When, I stopped listening when you said he throws one touchdown in a game. He's done that this season. That's when you lost me. But he's done that this season. He did do that once, didn't he? Mm-hmm. When? I've had him on my. I've had him on my fantasy football team the whole season. I could guarantee that he's definitely had some games where he didn't. What? I can't remember which game that was. I think it it was Marino ran for a couple. It was more, more rushing touchdowns. Was it the Patriots game? I Patri- that would make sense. Recent. It was in the last four weeks. Anyway, anyway. Uh, as long as the Broncos haven't clinched the number one seed, Peyton Manning is seeing the field, records or not. Once he Let's say the Broncos do clinch the number one seed, and there is a week to play, and Manning has or hasn't broken the record. If he hasn't, maybe they let him break it. I mean, maybe John Fox is cool like that. I hope so. I like records. Here's a, here's a. He will insist on breaking Tom Brady's record. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, he he didn't get his way with the Colts when they were undefeated. They were going for that perfect season. When was that? Two thousand eight-ish. Um, no, no. Two thousand eleven oh. or to ten. Okay, yeah. They benched Peyton Manning, and he was livid. He was that, publicly. That was, week, yeah. Week fifteen or something. They benched him. That was before all of his adversity and coming back. And basically managing the team now. Yeah. There was one season between that and then him getting injured, which might have been a big ploy to play for the Denver Broncos. We don't know. Um, (laughs) So here's another really, really interesting fact is that Eric Decker has 433 receiving yards on deep passes. So he's fourth in the league on that. With, With those 433 yards, he's done that on 12 catches. And of those 12 catches, four of them have gone for touchdowns. What? So, so Eric Decker could basically still be running with the ball, and no one would have caught him. So 433 yards on 12 catches um, accounts for Mr. Decker's contract year. Good. Just Good imagine point. how much. Just imagine he got a yard for every time he called for a flag. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have like 700,000 yards. <laughs> so let me go. Do you want to follow that one up, Katie? Katie can't breathe. <laughs> oh, such a good point, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we should just end the podcast now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if listeners, listeners might not be able to have this. single Ms. Path, but he has kind of controlled his dropsies, don't you think? Well. there in the drop rate. The drop rate lasts. Is, so, is he just distracting me with all these long touchdown passes and scoring so pants? Here's, here's a fact about drops that I'll probably. His dog balls in his jars at home. Select distract. Okay. <laughs> you could say it. Um, so Peyton Manning was 39 of 59. Of those 20 incompletions, seven of them were drops. So those were raw. Hit the hit the receiver in the hand. Receiver go boom. Ball hit the ground. Out of how many incompletions? Out of 20. So in reality, seven, seven were drops. Yeah. Um, low. Five of those, I think five of those were Wes Welker. So we're gonna we're gonna get deep into Wes Welker in just a minute. But let me go over these remaining statistics. Uh, 
we are, you are, um, Peyton Manning, 59 attempts, which was a team record, 39 completions, which was a team, uh, Denver Broncos team record. Um, the Broncos set an NFL record with seven games with at least four touchdowns uh, passes. That's a Peyton Manning NFL record. Uh, record for QB with most playoff games since the Broncos clinched. Peyton Manning now owns the record for most uh, playoff games as a quarterback, which is 13. Um, Broncos first team to have four players score 10 or more touchdowns in a season. And it's the third time. So, the, so with it being the third time this season, the Broncos have scored 50 plus points. Uh, that breaks a record that hasn't been set since 1970. Broncos are just killing these records. Which Here's a, can I ask a question? Yeah. So, okay. So you know how players become kind of inexorably intertwined with teams. So even despite where they end their career, so like Emmett Smith. I mean, remember he ended with us, right? I can't even picture him in a Broncos uniform. You're talking about well, Jerry Rice, right? And Jerry Rice, yeah. It was just a sympathetic thing. Mm-hmm. Far. So what about Manning? So if Manning and all of his records and amazingness that's going on right now, let's say he wins the Super Bowl this year, maybe even plays another season. I mean, is it just my bias? But do I, I kind of feel like he's not going to be remembered. He'll be remembered as a Bronco as much as, as a Colt, don't you think? How do you remember Kurt Warner? Um, married to that wired-haired man-goblin of a wife? <laughs> That's a great question, Ian. That was a great counter-question, Ian, because I don't think of him as a ram. I think of him as a cardinal. Yeah. And, and well, he I live in Arizona, too, though. Yeah. And he entered Arizona quite successfully. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So despite his career at Indy. Yeah. I don't think one Super Bowl does he have to play a couple other years? If he doesn't win the Super Bowl, is he still like, I mean, you know, you're not going to forget he played as a Colt, but that sort of immediate association. Like Gary Zimmerman. Gary Zimmerman played, what, two seasons with the Broncos, maybe three? He did. I mean, he was a Minnesota Vikings, but you never think of Gary Zimmerman as a Minnesota Viking. No. He didn't go in. He went in as, you know, Pat Bull and gave him his Hall of Fame introduction. I don't know. Maybe Peyton's the same way. He's like, "Hey guys, um, thanks for the, thanks for taking a chance." He has to win a Super Bowl here. If he doesn't win yeah, a Super Bowl here, then he's Joe Montana. He's a 49er, but he he yeah. spent a couple of years in the AFC West. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Oh, I forgot about that. Is Chiefs stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, yeah, sorry. yeah. He went to the AFC Championship with the Chiefs. He didn't win, but he went to the AFC Championship. So, Jan. Back from the grave, pointed out that the uh, Peyton Manning threw one touchdown against the Patriots and also one touchdown against Kansas City in the first Kansas City game. So he's done it twice recently where he's only thrown one touchdown. So he's completely capable of throwing three touchdowns for the rest of the season. But let's just hope and pray that he doesn't because Tom Brady does not. We want to steal that record back from Josh McDaniels. Damn it. (laughs) So, okay. Um... Injury report on Wednesday indicates that Derek Wolf is out, as is Wes Welker. We have a special guest on tonight who actually is an expert in Wes Welker. <laughs> an expert in Wes Welker. She's an expert. Okay. I'm not claiming that for the no, record. She's not at all. <laughs>
back, everybody, to the MHR Radio Podcast. We experienced some technical difficulties, and we lost the headset of one Ian Henson. We record over our computers. So Ian Henson was able to jump back on a call, and so he's on his cell phone recording the podcast with us. We have a caller on the line. Ian, Ian how are you doing today? Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. So, sorry about that. But we were just getting into talking about Wes Welker. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, eager to talk with Katie about Wes Welker, the concussion s- situation that he has. He has had two, maybe three concussions in the past uh, three games. It's a pretty serious situation in today's NFL, given all the lawsuits and the NFL settlements going on. Craig Morton, the former Broncos quarterback, announced today that he's suing the NFL. Um, it's the hot topic in the NFL right now, and Wes Welker is in the center of it. Katie, what are your thoughts on his situation? And more than the, uh, just a hot topic, it's it's uh, with, with the proliferation of studies coming out, it's it's extremely concerning for Mr. Welker's long-term health. Right? I mean, who so who would who would argue against my statement that he should probably not play for the rest of the season? I would only um, argue. I would I would only argue with that in the sense of we don't know enough. I, I don't I have no idea if they were severe concussions, mild concussions, if what the doctors are saying about it and not being an expert and being a biased Broncos fan, it's tough. I want to be, I want to be and say the right thing. I want to say, yeah, you should rest it. And I also want the guy to play. <laughs> it's tough. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the central issue for all of us football fans is the cognitive dissonance of where we love and we watch. And a lot of what we love about what we watch is sort of the violent aspects of the game and knowing that it's not the best thing from a health perspective for the players who play the game. And the problem with concussions is unlike a knee injury or, you know, Gronkowski's hit that looked like his entire femur was shattered this past week. That was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> Aside from that, and apparently he was also concussed, although with Gronkowski it's hard because at baseline you don't know really what's going on cognitively with him and there's been a significant decline even after multiple dis- concussions, but that's another story. Um, but with concussions it's tough, right? Because, I, again, I don't know how much we'll have of what we talked about previously, but uh, a concussion is, is a clinical diagnosis. So there's no blood test. There's no diagnostic test. You can't scan a brain definitively and say that someone has had mild traumatic brain injury or which a subset of which is a concussion. It's based on self-report. Most players do not report their symptoms for a variety of reasons. Um, detrimental to their career. They want to be out there, not to mention the whole sort of macho um, atmosphere, environment of the game. And so it's really tough to exactly what you said, Kyle, determine the severity of injury. Do you deal with concussions in your work, Katie, a clinical neuropsychologist? Do you deal, do you work with patients? I guess that's one question I can ask. Yes, I work with patients and I've actually done a lot of, you know, gosh, it's been now five to 10 years, but we did a lot of the baseline 
testing for the San Diego Chargers, actually. And that was back prior to um, a lot of this publicity um, when the NFL was still sort of able to conduct business as usual. And nobody, we weren't aware of the extent of sort of long-term implications of concussions. Um, and, but even back then we were, we were sort of fought the whole way. So our entire approach was to do baseline testing on all players. And why is that important? So somebody gets knocked out again, if you're just depending on self-report, you may not be getting the whole story from a lot of players. So you want to do some sort of objective cognitive testing, memory testing, attention, reaction time, things that sometimes are affected by concussion and you want baseline. So, you know, I mean, again, take the Gronkowski example. If you're comparing him to your normal football player, he's not, he may look concussed when that's like functioning, right? So you need a baseline on him to determine there's even more sort of cognitive impairment. So you need so that on everybody. A baseline is that person's what they would be on a normal day unconcussed. So you take that baseline. Exactly. Take that baseline and see if there's been significant changes. Uh, and that's the problem because most players aren't going to sign up for that. A lot of our testing are, is IQ testing, is cognitive testing, and remembering things, attention. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really difficult to get people to sign on to that. And I, don't, I still don't think it's um, required. And so you don't have that measurement or that yardstick marker to tell. Um, and a lot of times people don't show a lot of cognitive symptoms. It's more behavioral symptoms or psychiatric symptoms. And God forbid a, a football player sort of uh, cops to any of those. So it's problematic from a measurement standpoint, um, a a severity of injury standpoint, but the data is there. I mean, we know that if you suffered more than one concussion, the greatest risk of developing a concussion is history of having a prior concussion. We also know that from sort of a metabolic standpoint, the injury that occurs, the metabolic cascade of events that occurs, if your brain is not fully recovered or healed, i.e. Wes Welker, and you sustain another concussion, you're going to see that much more severity of at sort of the ionic metabolic level um, and even clinically in, in terms of your symptoms um, on your secondary concussion. It's sort of this post-concussive vulnerability. So we know that it's problematic, and we certainly have heard the popular stories of long-term issues with concussions with the chronic traumatic encephalopathy or the CTE. And so players that have shown tremendous cognitive, behavioral, psychiatric uh, problems and early dementias. You talked about the long-term effects and when the brain has been fully healed. How do you know when that is? You don't know. You don't know, and that's the problem. And, and, and you don't know this, the extent of severity, and each individual is different, and there's no real good definitive marker of how injured. There's no threshold at a metabolic level even of what if, if someone's had a concussion or not and the severity of which. So it's problematic. And so you're sort of rolling the dice. And with someone like Wes Welker, who, again, I'm a Bronco fan, and I, I, I hate to see him taken out of the equation. He's certainly at risk, a little more vulnerable at the slot position, I believe. These guys just get crushed day in and day out in his size. But, I mean, what is the upside for him to returning to play? I mean, we, we assume he's financially stable. He has he's been playing a while, good contract. He has his... Subway sandwich artist endorsements. Um, what is the upside of coming back, right? We don't know definitively, but we certainly have heard the horror stories, the clinical case reports of players who, you know, can't remember their their, their children's names and, and are, are horrifically depressed and anxious and agitated and making poor decisions and, 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 and the high incidence of other neurological disorders. I don't see the upside for him, for Mr. Welker. 
I think you bring up a lot of great points, especially when it comes to depression and the long-term effects. I think short-term right now, from everything I've heard and everything I've read, which is going to be a fraction of what you have, of course, but it seems to me like we don't have a lot of short-term diagnoses, yardsticks like you talked about available. And it's really these long-term retired players, these post-concussive symptoms, they just build up over time. You hear stories of players being depressed, killing themselves. And then we have a situation, I want to compare that to Richie Incognito in Miami. Here's a player who admitted that he was depressed. He admitted that he was having a hard time in the NFL. And maybe he had a few concussions. These things probably go unreported a lot more often than they go reported, I would imagine. And we went, we as media, as a society just reacting to that, went immediately back to our tough guy football reaction where we could not accept Richie Incognito being anything but a tough football player. Depression is no place on the football field. As far as we've come in the last five years, I think we have years to go before we fully understand um, how significant concussions might be. And if they are this significant, I don't think there's enough data to conclusively say that this is the cause. Am I wrong there? Um, yeah, no, I, you're certainly with the, the atmosphere, the, that fight through the block mentality. And, and a look, big problem with the concussion literature is that, that research has been – it's been muddied. It's been clouded. It hasn't been great other than, I will say, the last five to ten years. I think the group out of Boston with the um, CTE consortium is doing some really compelling work. I mean, just this last year alone, they've had two studies on brain and neurology, really well-respected, high-impact academic journals showing the extent to which repeated concussion um, affects both the incidence of other neurological disorders, Alzheimer's disease, frontotemporal dementia, some other uh, ALS, motor uh, motor neuron disease, um, and certainly the the increased incidence of depression and cognitive impairment, even in retired players um, still living. Um, but it, it, there's been a lot of problems. I mean, again, with defining what concussion is, with having sort of a reliable, consistent assessment measures and being able to grade the severity, but we're getting there. Uh, but short term, I would say from a, at a pathophysiological level, you're seeing brain damage. I mean, we're seeing, and, and our imaging techniques are getting better. There's there's new techniques that are actually showing much more um, at a sensitive level the integrity of uh, sort of brain axonal integrity. I don't want to get into all of that, but we're, we're getting better at showing in vivo biomarkers of concussion, which I think will be obviously be really helpful. Um, but it's not good to bump your brain around. It's not good. And just because you're not seeing significant... Uh, you know, clinical signs or clinical signs being reported. It doesn't mean that that's not great. I have one follower on Twitter who, whenever I start talking about concussions or Wes Welker, even he jumps in there and he jumps in because he wants to share his knowledge and he sounds like a learned individual. I want to pass along and I can't remember his handle right now. I apologize. Twitter follower, but he has said several times to me, it's always caught my eye 10 days. That's the number he always throws 10 days after suffering a concussion, he, he literally says the word brain juices, and I think he's just, you know, shortening things out for Twitter. He, he sounds much more educated than someone who just used brain juices. But the brain juices what will, it be, is. will be better after 10 days. Is that something you heard? Is this a – are we approaching a situation where we do put a day threshold on it? And if you suffer a concussion, you are not practicing and not playing in a game for X number of days. Um, I, I, it would be wonderful if we could get to that 
that state, obviously, that would be helpful for everybody involved. Um, again, there's just no biochemical threshold that we can point to at this point to say this is a significant concussion. This is what's happening. This is the recovery time for, you know, the average number of people. I mean, we're all different, right? We all recover from injury, um, even broken bones and, and pulled muscles at a different rate. Um, ACL injuries, certainly if we're injected with some of the stuff that these guys are being injected with, we would be recovering more quickly. That's another topic. But um, I mean, I think it's hard to put a time limit on it. I would say people are doing the, it would be great if we could say 10 days and then people are right back in it, but we don't know. And you don't know about, so for example, in Wes Welker's situation, you have a concussion then you have another concussion 22 within a 22 day period. So, I mean, if we, we don't know how much was healed initially, correct? And then if you have sort of this exponential damage going on, which we know about, uh, it's a 10 days even longer. Ian, didn't mean to cut yeah. you out. What are your thoughts yeah. on all this? Where where are you at with Wes Welker and the decision to sit him out this week? Um, give us your take. I mean, as much as, as a fan as I am, the man has a wife, the man has children, and the man has a future. Uh, you know, you go back even further um, to an even younger player and look at, like, Derek Wolf and say, like, you know, should he be playing? Is he demonstrating, you know, people, people are saying food sickness, but is it a concussion where he's, you know, we all saw him get carted off in a, in a emergency vehicle. So, I don't know. Uh, the money's nice, but if you haven't set yourself up on a $9 million contract by now, you might. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Might not be worth it. And nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. No, I mean, it's football. Except Rob Bukowski. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get my punchline in there. Go ahead. Football is not good for anybody. I mean, brain knocks aside, it's it's not a uh, it's not a gentle sport. It's not good for anybody's health. And the problem with concussions is it's it can be more subtle, and the long term damage, you know, is it, we don't know. I mean, it's difficult. That's what I I will end there. That's great food for thought. Thanks a lot for coming on, Katie. We're going to keep you around for the third part of our podcast, talk some more Broncos football, talk some Broncos chargers. And no, I'm, I do not want Rob Gronkowski to get hurt. I'm being facetious. I'm just a Broncos fan sometimes. I don't, I don't wish injury on any player. Get well soon, Rob Gronkowski. We wanted to beat you and the Patriots in the playoffs when you were healthy, so you didn't have any excuse anyway. We'll be back on the MHR Radio Podcast. Time for I'll pop Molly, I'm a top four. San Diego Chargers because Katie's very excited to talk about the defensive formations, which will be used in, to inevitably not stop 
Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos charging force, regardless of whether they have Wes Welker or not. <laughs> so we had, um, I had a quote that I was chomping at the bit to post and I got beat out by the mainstream media, but I'm watching the post game, uh, Ike McCoy post game. And he mentions how we're not going to play teams close. We're going to beat the Denver Broncos, not play them close. Kyle, you oh. read the quote. <laughs> so of course my, my immediate headline goes to McCoy. We're going to beat the Denver Broncos, not play close. <laughs> Do you really think in his head that he's going to not play close a team that has put up 50 points three times this season? See, I didn't take it that way at all. I think somebody asked him, like, are you going to play the Broncos close? He's like, we're not going to play them close. We're going to beat them. Like, he, what they asked was, were you proud of playing the Broncos close? There you go. And he, he's not interested in playing them close and losing. He's interested in winning, whether it's close or not. That's the way I took his quote. I didn't take it to mean that he's going to beat the Broncos by 20, and that's what he expects. I think he expects to win. He's a head coach in the National Football League. And if he said anything other than that, just for the PR value, he'd get his ass fired. So I did not take the quote as largely as a lot of fans did and fans reacted to it and the media reacted to it like, oh, they're going to beat the Broncos. Well, why not? They're a division rival. They've got a good quarterback. Any given Sunday, let's let's play some football. Katie, you're the psychologist. Did you see the did you see the video? Maybe do you think maybe he was he was um, answering literally? That he, he's, they're looking to disrupt timing patterns and play them close man coverage, <laughs> two deep safeties. So they're not going to play them close. They're going to play a lot, of, let, a lot, lot of zone and two deep and stuff like that. No, they're going to they're going to disrupt their timing patterns. Play man. As the as a 2003 and 2004 Denver Broncos can probably tell you, playing Manning in zone is not the way to make it to the playoffs or through the playoffs. You remember those games? God, Brandon Stokely just in Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Oh my God, <laughs> you're you're on mute, Kyle. <laughs> I concussed myself on purpose so I would never remember those games. <laughs> um, yeah, those were not fun games. That that made me hate Peyton Manning worse than I hate Tom Brady. So no one's. Do you think the the loss of Reggie Wayne is what's getting them? What's going on with them? I think, I think, I mean, Indy counts amongst its wins this season, the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. Like, what other team can say that they beat the top two teams in the NFL? We were their Super Bowl. They beat the Broncos, and then they were like, oh, phew, okay. Oh, more football? Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the Chargers Super Bowl. They have to win this. This is a playoff game for them. The Chargers, yeah, the Chargers. The most dominant win last week against – sorry, I'm interrupting. No, 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 you're, we're, you're going. <laughs> Um, no, the Chargers were – Right. They beat up on the Giants. And the Chargers have the Broncos coming up and they have the Chiefs coming up again. I can't remember who the third game is against. But if they win out, the Chiefs – or the, sorry, the Chargers are that succeed in the AFC playoffs. So they can – they just have a really high, steep hill to climb to get there. They've been inconsistent most of the year. They'll look really good some weeks, and then they will just look awful other weeks. And they, yeah, they, they beat up on the Giants a lot because of the Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers factor. Uh, Eli's not a popular guy in that area. So they, they, came, they rose to that occasion. Um, and they're going to rise to traveling to Denver. They're going to give the Broncos their best shot. I, got, I know they have a two-headed tight end uh, set. You know, they have Antonio Gates, who's perennial top five, top ten tight end at worst. And they have Darius Green, who's also kind of stepping up as as a 
capable uh, replacement of uh, eventually of Antonio Gates. But in the meantime, I mean, the guy scored, I think, four touchdowns on, the, on his last eight catches. He's, he's, he's kind of like a Julius Thomas out there. Like he's, he's a pretty decent tight end. And that's one of the ways that you can defeat the Broncos defense. Like we didn't have an answer for Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski ever. And San Diego's built kind of the same thing. He's been a he's been a really good tight end for the Chargers this year. And you look at some of his grades in Pro Football Focus. He's always in the greens. He's one of their more higher rated players, um, both in you know the pass game especially. Um, but he's not a bad blocker either. He, he does better than Julius Thomas does in blocking. I'm afraid to say. So yeah, they've uncovered another threat. The Chargers have a lot of young players, a lot of new players um, there this year. But it's really been for me the story of this year has been. Philip Rivers and Mike McCoy's effect on Philip Rivers. And the fact that it's really 2013, this season's the two best quarterbacks in the league this year are facing each other again because Philip Rivers has very quietly been as efficient and as on a similar pace as far as yards and yards per attempt and completion percentage, all those kind of statistics to Peyton Manning. You wonder how he'd be if he had the kind of talent the Broncos had. Is anyone getting physically ill? All these compliments for the Chargers and Philip Rivers. I pick them to win the Super Bowl each year because whoever I pick does not win. Yeah, that jinxes them. I hate the Chargers more than anyone on this planet. I do too. I do too. That's just the worst. Who's the anti? I really hate the Chargers. But you look at you do look at the offenses. If you look at team statistics for offense, it's Denver and San Diego, like one and two, almost all the way around. And Ryan uh, go. It's okay. okay. <laughs> what were you saying about Ryan Matthews? Oh, I can't interrupt. Increase. I think he had a career high number of carries last week. Yeah, Ryan. If if the Broncos are going to make one guy in the NFL look good, it's probably going to be Ryan Matthews. Unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> Did you draft Ryan Matthews on your fantasy football team, Kyle? Hell no. No. Yeah, I, last year, I'm still mad at him. Between Ryan Matthews and Matt Forte, like I, I don't know, I've, I've been burned a couple of times on drafting running backs. I think the the uh, departure by injury of Kevin Vickerson has really hurt this defense, and I've seen some things happen because of that. One thing that I see as a possible effect of that injury is the demotion or apparent demoting of Wesley Woodyard. He was benched last week. What do you guys expect to see this week? I mean, the, the reason I say that is because Paris Lennon, who replaced him, is just a bigger football player. He's like seven inches taller than Wesley Woodyard. He's bigger. And he's going to be better at stopping the run than Woodyard. And since Woodyard's week five, week six stinger that he suffered, he hasn't been as effective. Um, he was the heart and soul of the defense through the first several weeks. We missed him. When he came back, the defense improved. They did not look as good last week. But I think the Broncos are giving Wesley Woodyard a chance. Uh, or I'm sorry, they're giving Paris Lennon a chance. He's done well in practice, and it's a convoluted situation, and I don't know what to expect this week. Well, Katie, what's your take on the Wesley Woodyard situation? Um, you know, I, it's it's tough because you you bring up really good points, Kyle, and also Woodyard and um, Nacho. I mean, they're smaller guys, and, you know, I, he's been playing Mike. He has his, his tougher on the body. You know, Nacho, too, throwing himself around. I mean, they're not used to 16 game 
seasons, right? So maybe they're just tired. Maybe they're just, you know, suffering from maybe his neck injuries worse than ever. But I do think it's significant that he had his snaps, you know, they, if they were really concerned about injury, if they were really concerned about resting him, why is he playing, you know, 18 snaps in special teams? I think there's something else going on there. Ooh, good point. Yeah, the 18 snaps. He's on every – every time Matt Prater was on the field, Wesley Woodgard was in the field. You know, why do you have him – someone you're concerned about injury and a neck injury if that's what you're going with i mean if you look at rob gronkowski last year didn't he get hurt he initially got hurt i think on a on an extra point attempt like why i don't know i just you don't i i could see maybe playing him on certain special teams packages but putting him in on on extra points field goal attempts and then um kickoffs doesn't really make sense to someone who has a who has a neck injury that you're trying to rest he got you know at least uh, a wake-up call, if not flat-out demoted, um, in my opinion. Ten, 10 snaps out of 50 plays. Uh, Paris Lennon's not really the answer, though, either. Paris Lennon graded out positively for the, he's graded out positively three times in the last four years. And granted, he's not playing 16 games every season, but three times in four years to have a positive grade. I, I hate the changeup. I hate the switching of the Broncos' defense that they're doing all the time. A lot of it has been due to injury. But mm-hmm. then when you have two, presu- I mean, apparently healthy guys, like you said, 18 snaps on special teams. So injury isn't the reason. Wesley Wood, you can play football. He's healthy. He's cleared to play football. Um, they're moving pieces around. They're trying to figure it out. It feels like Mike Shanahan in kind of 2006, where everything was just a cluttered mess, and they were they were signing people off the street and starting them in, in a week and a half. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but it's... I read from DenverBroncos.com, Andrew Mason, a friend of mine, a great writer there for them. He wrote a story today on it. He talked about Paris London being bigger, and he also talked about the fact that, you know, excuse me. (laughs) I I, I had to cough there. Uh, Paris London's a little bit bigger, but the Broncos have had more substitutions throughout the year on defense than any other team in this league. That's surprising for an 11-2 and football team. Usually winning doesn't see a lot of changes in personnel on defense, but the Broncos have been swapping players in left and right. Well, and you look at the secondary, just look at the, the split up time. Mike Adams was in 100% of the snaps. on as a. I don't think he was playing pure strong safety the entire time. Dookie and Nacho's in at 42%. Um, Bruton's in a little bit. There's, there's something going on. They're not resting players because of... Uh, the, the possibility that we might be a, a one seed just doesn't make sense. Wesley me. Woodyard is going to be a free agent. Does money play a factor? Is this a negotiating tactic? Because he had a Pro Bowl-like year in 2012. Yes. yes. He did. And now they're demoting him, and he's not starting. Is this the Broncos wanting to keep him and not pay him necessarily true blue starter money? What were your thoughts? I thought I thought initially that there was some escalator tied in to his his playing time, to where if he took you know ninety eight percent of the snaps, he would get a one million dollar bonus, or if he made the Pro Bowl, he gets a five hundred thousand dollar bonus or something like that. Those are things that we can't necessarily know. Um, I know that last year the Broncos cut Caleb Haney in order to avoid a million-dollar signing bonus if he made the 53-man roster. They yeah. cut him, renegotiated him, and brought him back. And then he never played another game. He, he never made the 46-man game-day roster. The, the, there's an exception for quarterbacks, and he was never on – he was never part of that 46-man roster. 
So I know the Broncos, it's not above the Broncos to do something like that. Yeah, and I'm not talking about a short-term gain because of a contract escalator this year. Wesley Woodyard doesn't have a huge contract this year. I'm talking more about long-term, we're at the negotiating table. Um, Katie, do you have any thoughts on the Wesley Woodyard situation? Um, no, I mean, I think you guys covered it. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And, uh, that out. So awesome. back to Katie for one second. Katie, having the uh, ever-present Twitter presence that you do have, what is, <laughs> we ask every one of our we ask every one of our guests. Um, who, amazingly, out of all of our guests, Dookie and Nacho was the one who went so light on it. He did not want to tell a creepy Twitter story, but we're going to ask you for a, creep, a creepy Twitter story, and you probably get some. I know for a fact that you have a follower with a name that I cannot pronounce on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a C. If you guys want to be imaginative, there <laughs> are a lot of words that start with C. Mr. C. Miss. Face, I believe. Miss Miss C. Face. Which makes a little more sense, right? <laughs> no. Tell okay. Tell us your creepiest Kyle Montgomery story. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's not creepy. Anyone? Kyle's mom, especially, who's oh. listening. <laughs> How did Kyle's mom get in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Ian's cats. That is true. She's I am an idiot. So, Katie, you yes. are a lady who is a sports fan and you are on the internet. I think yes. that combination makes it inevitable that you have some kind of unfortunate story to tell. If you care to share one, we're all ears. Sure. And a How lot should of we not behave? Sorry. How should we not behave? When we interact with females on the internet that are sports fans. No, I'm going to take this to an, an entirely different level that you guys aren't probably even expecting. So, um, so I'm a little bit older, right? I was not. Uh oh. Hello. What? I'm like 22. I'm like, I can't hear anyone. Oh, okay. I got you. We can hear you. <laughs> okay. So I so it was a little. You know, I'm kind of a luddite based on my age, right? So I was a little late to the Twitter and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be on if I didn't write for this website with collective.com. You can feel free to promote that. Anyway, my editor said, get on, you need to promote this to all of your, you know, five or six followers. And I, you know, I still don't really know as Ian will attest what's going on with Twitter. I should, I have no business being on Twitter. Anyway, I didn't really understand it at the beginning, like people could follow you. And I, had th- I felt like I had to follow everyone back. And I thought everyone was legit. I didn't even realize, you know, the, the real creepers of the internet anyway. So fine. It was after one of my, my first pieces I wrote for flip collective was on sort of the pros and cons of playing fantasy football. And it was a completely irreverent piece. I was, you know, joking and making fun of the agonizing decision and everything that goes wrong with, with fantasy and this one of my Twitter followers direct messaged me, which was, you know, again, beyond my capabilities. I had no idea what was going on. Thank God it wasn't like a penis shot. I, actually, that would have been less frightening and disturbing and creepy. Anyway, Norman, which should have been my first red flag that something is going to be creepy and odd and off about this. Um, and, you know, it was, it was complimenting my writing, which I figured, like, you know, just another one of my writers' groupies. You guys know. I'm sure you have legions of podcast groupies. You know, you just <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's shaking his head. Yeah. You just, you know, fine. More compliments on my writing. I understand that. Great, whatever, Norman. That's awesome. Um, but then he proceeds to 
tell me that he was responding to my fantasy football article, that he, he thought I had an insight that his group of people would understand and would be particularly useful for him. And it turns out Norman is a part of, I think they were called the, it's the Babylonian Brotherhood. Have you guys heard of this? No. Yes, I know. It sounds like a creepy, like... John, you're from Texas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, it's no. I mean, it's been look sane and healthy. But this particular group of kind of mentally stable and healthy individuals believe that there is a global conspiracy, of course, because what group of kind of unstable folk would not believe that? And their belief is that there's this army of ancient reptilian shaped shifters... Uh, with this sort of Orwellian goal of controlling humanity, right? Of course. Again, what self-respecting secret race of shape-shifting lizards would (laughs) shoot for anything less than this goal, okay? Stay with me. Have you not heard of this, the lizard Illuminati? Oh, I know about the, the, they're called reptilians. Yes, they believe that there's a secret group of reptilian humanoids who've been placed sort of, you know, they placed prominent global figures, Obama, Queen Elizabeth, of course. I mean, is so. Mike Shanahan their leader? <laughs> exactly, Kyle. Good point. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> they're all sort of one and the same. They kind of look. <laughs> and we're all prisoners of this lizard Illuminati. They believe like the moon is hollowed out. It's a space station. It's sort of the Death Star for them, right? And it's where they can, you, you know, it's their space station to control our brains. Anyway, so Norman was heading up a subgroup <laughs> of, this, of this sort of population civic heroes trying to prove prove that it wasn't just global leaders his whole theory his thesis was that 90 percent 90 to 95 percent of all professional athletes were actually part of this secret reptilian lizard group okay and nfl players and nba players primarily and it made sense because we sort of our guard is down we're enjoying sports and anybody who's covering sports or enjoying it or writing about it are all sort of you know more vulnerable and the and this pawns to this global conspiracy and so you know i was first thought it was a joke and then i was kind of getting scared with the increasing detail and sort of zealot zealousness about it and then i started thinking okay you know chris bosh heinz ward jared allen (laughs) carol suggs (laughs) maybe norman has a point are you talking about players that look like lizards (laughs) thank you That was my that was sort of my first brush with how creepy the world out there is, in particular Twitter. How, how many um, you know, lizard Illuminati and most of the players that we follow and cover and listen to and their brilliant post game interviews are actually part of this ancient shape shifting reptilian race taking us I, over. I can tell that Jan wants to say something really bad. Jan, you could come on in. I thought. <laughs> I thought I was gonna hear some pervy story. I didn't I realize I was gonna. I didn't realize she was gonna go all Tom Cruise on us and, and go to another dimension. <laughs> How much paper? I mean, everyone gets penis pictures, right? I do. <laughs> I ask for them. I, I usually will ask for them, but it, I mean, you ask on Twitter, you get you get what you ask for. Do the oh. lizard people's turds shapeshift? Because I think that's Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I don't All think right, he, he qualifies as a lizard. Man. I don't think he's human. So he's got to be something else. <laughs> okay, guys. 
we missed out on um, uh, some stuff that we're probably going to get back to next podcast. But thank you, Katie, for joining predictions. us. Predictions? Oh, what's we want to predictions. predictions. One quickly, Ian, what's your score? Ladies, ladies first. Ladies first. Katie, who you got? Are we just doing win or loss? Are we doing point spread? Points. No, I forgot. Ian doesn't do points. point spreads. Just points. What, what just is the final points. score? 112 to 85. That was going to be my guess. Dang it. 85. What, what is the over-under, by the way? It's got to be. It's, it's uh, like 52. It's not that bad. <laughs> I feel like it's like uh, 8, isn't it? Well, the spread is 10. but the 10. There you go. 10 and a half. Yeah, 10 and a half. And then the uh, total points is 52. I'm going to say, what did I say earlier? I pre-predicted it on my Monday injury report, and I think it was like 41 to 24. We beat him big. Broncos. I think uh, – Katie, you still haven't gone. You're scared, aren't you? 112 to 85, Broncos. San Diego does not have a basketball team. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go – I like Kyle's 41. Whenever I guess big, though, we score like 12. So I'm going to go um, – 9 to 3? 17 <laughs> – yeah, exactly. I'll go 17 to 7. <laughs> 17 to 7, Peyton Manning does not throw a touchdown. Eight to five. I'm predicting a lot of safe dates in this game. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on this uh, Eddie Royal edition of the <laughs> of MHR Radio Podcast. Katie, thank you so much. Katie, where can people find you? Flipcollective.com, a, a, a writer's website. Flipcollective.com will link you in the uh, in the post of this when you're listening. So check out Katie. She's a great writer. Thanks, Kyle. Glad you made it back. Thanks, for having, thanks for having me, I guess. Yeah. Go Broncos. Thanks for listening to thanks the MHR Radio Podcast. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Jan. Nope. Hopefully you're listening to this just before the Broncos whoop some butt. So have a good night, everybody. Enjoy the game. Down.